Hello, we are three friends who like playing tabletop games and thought it would be fun to create characters based on movie and TV characters for role-playing games. I'm Matt, and I'm joined by... Karina. And Ian. And this is... Hollywood, Hollywood Rolls. Looked dead, didn't I? Well, I wasn't. But it wasn't from lack of trying, I can tell you that. Actually, Bill's last bullet put me in a coma coma I was to lie in for four years. When I woke up, I went on what the movie advertisements refer to as a roaring rampage of revenge. I roared, and I rampaged, and I got bloody satisfaction. Killed a hell of a lot of people to get to this point, but I have only one more. The last one. The one I'm driving to right now. The only one left. When I arrive at my destination, I am gonna kill Bill. Yes, this week we're building Beatrix Kiddo, a.k.a. The Bride, a.k.a. Black Mamba, a.k.a. Mommy, for D&D 5e. This movie is so early aughts. I love it so much. I have, like, big, big feel memories about going to this movie, like, in my freshman year of college. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's how old I am. <laughs> and with, like, all my friends in the dorm and sitting in this movie and going, what? This is what a movie can be? Also that I was 18 finally. I could see an R-rated movie of this nature. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the biggest thing that I remember from Kill Bill is the soundtrack. Uh, Nancy Sinatra's Bang Bang. Oh, I, I definitely listened to a whole bunch after this. The whistle and, and the like, uh, whistle thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. the, that was. I had, also, like, yeah, the whistle haunting. was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I, uh, I had friends that that was their ringtone. It was like that. Doo, 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 doo. Like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but then we've also got like Battle Without Honor or Humanity, which I listened to 80 million times after this movie. Five, six, seven, eight. It's like, woohoo, woohoo. Also good. Da, 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 yeah, da, 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 there's so much. Yeah, so great. Oh, man. Hattori Hanzo has become a definite staple after this movie, I feel like. I mean, he was a staple before the movie, to be fair. Sure. Sure. <laughs> he was like, was like I, I, four different samurais. <laughs> yeah, but he has become, he I, he became Mimi after this, I guess is really what I mean. So it's kind of funny. So like we, we when we saw this movie, um, we went with a friend of ours that, was in the dorm that was Japanese and he he related it. He burst out laughing when they seriously said Hattori Hanzo. He went, he was the only one, you know, only one in the theater burst out laughing and had to like cover his mouth with both hands. And we're like, well, he's like, I'll tell you after, I'll tell you after. And he did that multiple times throughout the movie. And then later when we're coming out, I was like, why? He's like, that's like saying like Robin Hood. Like it was like that farcical of like a serious take of like, we're going to get Robin Hood. Like, da da da. <laughs> <I'm> like, what? <laughs> what? It was, it was such a folklorish kind of character for the Japanese people. He was like, what? Okay, this is funny. But he loved it. It wasn't like you're making fun of me. He was like, oh, this is great. Like, <laughs> that's hilarious. Also, I like I can't tell whether or not Quentin Tarantino is is sort of tongue in cheek parodying, you know, 70s action kung fu movies or if he's just tongue in cheek parodying himself at this point. The both. volume of blood both. in this Definitely movie. Both. I think. Yeah, no, I think it's only his fourth movie. And I think at that point, yeah, he was trying. I think he was trying to challenge himself to do like at least for the first volume action movie. And but also still have, you know, like the both the, the Tarantino bloodbath, but also the like <laughs> fantastical nature of the. Uh, spaghetti westerns and grindhouse and all that stuff it's just it's a big love kiss to the 70s genres also i had totally forgotten there was random sort of semi an like anime style animation in the first one until till the rewatch yeah. yeah that takes up a significant portion and is really beautiful yeah. and as aside from that every other kill in the movie happens by a woman's hand that's the only part of the of both movies that is a, a man kills 
Anybody. It took me far too long to realize that that Q and U is Quentin Tarantino and Uma Thurman. Yeah, at the very end of the movie, I had to Google that too. I'm like, what is that? What's Q and U? I'm like, oh, <laughs> they came up with the concept for The Bride and the greater movie as a concept on the set of Pulp Fiction. So my my only bone to pick with the movie, it's atrophy. It's not entropy. And also... The movie made no sense from that whole scene where she's sitting in the car and trying and she's atrophied. I'm okay. I'm not. No. I, okay. So I'm okay with the fantastical nature of it. I just wish they got the word right. Oh, no. <laughs> well, so here's my problem. With I it. mean, isn't atrophy her- really a form of entropy? Come on. In Quentin Tarantino's universe where you can have a katana stand for your katana <laughs> on an airplane, the word is entropy, apparently. <laughs> no, my problem was actually... Why is her not whole body not atrophied? No, like, her arms are fine. How are her <laughs> arms fine and her hands fine? Like uh, being someone who has, I mean, just for eight weeks, not four years, don't sever your tendons, people. It's not fun. Don't carve pumpkins. It's yeah, a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> pumpkins are dangerous, folks. Yes, very dangerous. No, but like even just from eight weeks, I could not move my fingers like it was the most excruciating pain to have someone else physically move them for me. There's just no way that she could move anything. To that that point, I would actually argue that, yeah, her legs should have worked better than her arms because somebody's moving her legs if they're going to be like raping her in her sleep. So she's she's getting passive range of motion from her legs and not her arms. If anything, she should be able to walk and not go along with her arms. Like unless they're like they're making her give them handies, which seems like a lot of work. I think they're just like her legs would be more moved than her arms. I mean, Buck is there and he likes to fuck. We know this. It's true. It's on his keychain. More than a few times. On the back of his Chevy. <laughs> I guess, you know, it's been edited enough. It's, I guess, been a number of years that it can appear on network television with enough editing, which is surprising to me, but apparently it exists. What what's what scenes do they show? I know, it must be like a 13 minute long movie. But <laughs> one of the things that I did read was that the pussy wagon, they took the time, I guess, to digitally like remove the pussy and make it party wagon like on the keychain <laughs> and the back of the chevy truck where it says party wagon and i guess he must they must dub in like yeah my car is the part you know i guess it's just party but then but they they didn't take the time to do the uh license plate so the license plate still is p-s-y-w-g-n or something like that something that i thought was interesting was that this is so this is quentin tarantino's fourth movie and it's the first movie that the, at least volume one is that has less than 100 fucks in it. Nobody says, they say fuck only 17 times. Hey. So there's that. Also, this is a serious film. It's, it's a serious <laughs> film. Well, no, but I think they had to, they probably needed that because there's so much violence. Yeah. The big, you know, fight scene at the, toward the end of the movie, they, ha- they had to do like pretty much in black and white. So they wouldn't have to cut anything from it by being in black and white to get away with how much gore they had. Another thing that I thought was interesting was that Kill Bill 1 and 2 are the only Tarantino movies that don't have the N-word in them. You can sense there's such a different shift from volume 1 to volume 2. Volume 1 feels very different, um, to me at least tonally. 2 feels more like a Quentin Tarantino movie, and 1 feels more like what the like spectacle of the genre movies he was going for is. And I think that was intentional. So one, you maybe have sort of a like the 70s, almost black exploitation film mm-hmm. to start out there. And it sort of transitions into sort of budget ninja movie, sort of not quite wire foo, but in that same genre. Where, whereas the second movie has like much more like like the, the, the like Usha, that crouching tiger kind of like. Yeah, it, it, it has a lot more of the, the Kung Fu master sort of slow. And I feel like a lot of those slow sequences fit better into that genre. So I feel like 
there, there's sort of a, a slightly different set of, of genre pastiches going on between Kill Bill 1 and Kill Bill 2. I think they kind of intermix, though, too. Like there's like there's very obvious like green screen kind of stuff that is very obviously trying to be green screeny. And yeah, that's her. not. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you in the sense that I think there are sometimes different genre references, you know, it's supposed to be like one big movie. So it's like I think you're right that volume two feels a little bit closer to his normal sort of oeuvre. It felt a bit slower and it's also much longer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it felt like, OK, here's a really, you know, succinct movie that's mostly actiony. And he was trying to do more actiony in that big scene that is, of course, iconic. He was going for a big iconic scene and he definitely was you know, trying to secure himself in Hollywood is like, I can do action stuff, too. <laughs> Mission accomplished. And the second movie, like, I remember watching the second movie being slightly disappointed because I expected more of that big action-packed stuff. And I remembered being a bit disappointed by the fact that it was just like, that was it with Bill. But on rewatch this time, and maybe it's because I'm a mom and it's been years since I've seen it, but I was like, oh, this is absolutely how it should have happened. And it's and it's perfect in my mind now. But I remember being slightly disappointed as a, you know, 19-year-old going, no, murder each other. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but like, yeah, episode one has motorcycles with katana slots in them. Exactly. I, I would like I would like a motorcycle with a katana and slot. The that sounds great. The katana slot. Everything is like this universe has assassins and we just know that assassins are, you know, it's the John Wick universe we live in now. It's like, yeah, this is just acceptable. It's OK. <laughs> I think this is the darkest version of Disney. This is Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> all, oh, yeah. all swords are Everything keys swords, and there's yeah. just got to be keyholes <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. So there are a lot of little fun, like trivia pieces in the movie that might be interesting to call out. Oh, I want to know. I didn't see these. So the the Oren Ishi uh, fight where she says, I hope you saved your energy. Oh, yeah, I did see that. If you haven't, you may not last five minutes. The from the point that they, she steps out until she is killed is four minutes and 59 seconds. Yeah, <laughs> until she cuts her head off. <laughs> it's exactly under five minutes. <laughs> I loved that. I saw that a lot of places. I'm like, yes, that's amazing. Didn't cut her head off. It more or less cut a, cut a yarmulke off of her head. Most of her head is still there. Originally, they were going to cut her whole head off, but they wanted her to be able to comment that that really was Tori Hanzo's steal. So they needed her to have it yeah. away, which I appreciate the fact that they went that far as to really think that through. It was a nice fake out because we see the hair land and it seems like maybe that's a full a full head. And then, oh, nope, that's brain. <laughs> Another one I thought was really fun was the scene with uh, Tori Hanzo where he throws the baseball. They actually did that on set in real life. Uh, yeah. It was with her stunt double, but like that was real. <laughs> Rad. Yeah. So that's <laughs> I think it's time to roll for initiative. For our listeners who are new to this podcast, we roll to see who's going to guide the conversation and also break ties when and if there's a stalemate. Also, rolling dice is fun. All right. So what what die are you using, Matt? I was trying to like I was desperately hoping that somewhere in my bag, my big dice bag filled with Chessex dice that I don't generally care about, that I would find a ridiculous bright yellow with black text die. Mm. There might be some somewhere in my house. I won't promise that I found every D20 that I own. So but I couldn't find one quickly. So then I, I fell back on the same strategy I used for uh, Inigo Montoya, which was to, to find a metal die. Only uh, unlike uh, Inigo, I do feel like it's appropriate to use my almost half pound steel metal die uh, that really <laughs> is mostly an object for killing people, not really for rolling. Nice. I went with um, bright uh, tones, so I, I'm using my blessed die, which has like white materials inside of it. And I think Karina went with the opposite That's amazing. from what I could I, see. I went with the cursed <laughs> die because I I considered this character rising from the grave. It's supposed to be crossroad dirt, but yeah, I would consider it like grave dirt. 
embedded inside. While we're giving dice shout outs, I will say I considered the Lucky Duck die as, as one of the <laughs> dice that I owned that contained both the yellow and the I black. Did, oh, so. I did consider too, that I too. Which again, the, I'm sure most people know, but the yellow gym suit was a uh, tribute to Bruce Lee. Also Charlie Brown. Okay, that was a different that was a different, <laughs> different outfit, but still the same yellow and black. Outfit. You can see pictures of these dice on our Instagram at Hollywood Rolls. I have a lowly six. Which got Matt? Well, let's just say that if I chose the right fighter subclass, I would have gotten a critical hit. Oh, you got a nineteen. Got a nineteen. I got a sixteen, so you win. Nice. All right, Matt. All right, well, let's get let's get this fired up. So for race, this character puts it in the classic problem of I, I don't really feel like a lot of crazy races fit. I've only got one joke race other joke than race human. <laughs> I do too. I think we probably have the same one. So my joke race uh-huh. is is Leonid because oh, the lioness has been reunited with her cub. Oh. So clearly lioness Leonid. That's so cute. That's I did cute. not think about that. The joke one that I, I had, it doesn't fit, but we have to at least acknowledge that there is a snake race. I also didn't go with that. <laughs> you auntie. I don't know why I didn't. There are snake people. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> so, so you're saying we could make her black mamba. Uh, an actual black mamba. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's great. There, I didn't think there about are that. so many things in it that don't really work, though. Yeah. yeah. Karina, did you have a joke race that you wanted to cover? I two jokes. Well, one of them is truly a joke. One of them is like, I don't think we want to use, but maybe we can talk about it. Yeah. Both basically a joke, though. I'll start with my like maybe serious, but maybe not really. Uh, the Reborn. Death isn't uh, always okay. the end. They exemplify this being oh, individuals yeah. who have died yet still somehow live. I don't think it works because you don't get a lot of what I think we want out of it. It just kind of was interesting. If, if you're going to start the movie there. It's cute if you're starting from a coma and she she really is sort of She's going sort through of a rebirth starting there. From like there. Like we yeah. you know, the movie starts with her getting into a coma and she's we don't really see her as a character until she's like <clears throat> coming out of it. I don't think it works as great as I want it to because it, the in the reborn they sort of remember slowly about who they are. So they're more like a blank slate. And she's just like all vengeance. She remembers everything. She's like, no, I'm coming for you, bitches. Like she looks at her hands and goes, been four yeah. years? Fuck you, I'm coming for you. So I, I liked that, but I did. I don't like, I wanted something different from that. That's fair. My joke one is tabaxi. Me too. <laughs> because you get, that was my last one. <laughs> you, get a, you get a dexterity boost. She's a cat. She's got nine lives. Also, she drives that pussy wagon. Well, also her initial fighting style is tiger's claw. Tiger's Claw, yes! Tiger's Claw against your eagle talon. (laughs) So in in line with Yuanti, a thing that I looked at, it definitely doesn't feel right. Uh, Yuanti and Bugbear were two races I looked at for the same reason of just like looking for a race that sort of falls in line with Bill's argument towards the end that she Uh, is a killer and will always be a killer. And like try try and find a race that sort of bakes in that that flavor. I don't I don't like it. I don't like it. I think we have to go with variant human. But I liked having (laughs) I I liked having the discussion of like, come on, this could be a thing that like you at home listening to this. You can, I think, do any of these and be justified at your table. Yes. (laughs) Go. I'm doing Beatrix Kiddo, but I am a lion person. They are really they harp on the fact that she's blonde throughout both movies. I think it would be reasonable to consider both elf and half elf. I thought about that, too. It just didn't seem I feel like she is just kind of a down and dirty, like gritty person. And half elf and elf seem to like highfalutin. Like she wasn't like bored. I, you know, we don't know a lot about Beatrix kiddo, really. No. Uh, besides the fact that we at don't. some point she fell in with Bill. So like we didn't know that, like, you know, was she 
Right. And that she was an adult in elementary school. Yeah, exactly. Here. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> Present. <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't think we know enough to say, you no. Know, her background for us is Bill and the squad she was with. That's kind of all we have to go on. All right. I'm not going to fight you, Ian. You want to you want to fight this at all? I don't think you do. No, <laughs> not at all. All right. Let's I, I would like to talk about background before we get to class. I, I think background's a little easier discussion than classes. And, okay. I, and I, I'm, I, I'm not mad at that. Sure. That's fine. OK. So for background, I had a few different ideas. I, I wasn't in love with anything. My yeah, basic for yeah. is uh, the Deadly Viper Assassination Squad strikes me as a mercenary group. Yeah. So mercenary was the first background that made list. sense. Yeah. In concept, it looks great, but like mercenary life, you can you're able to identify mercenary companies by their emblems, whatever. You know a little bit about each company, including the names and reputations of its commanders and leaders. So now what it, that what that felt like to me was her ability to sort of pin down. Like she, she knew the Yakuza leaders and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, that, that mm -hmm. basically how where each other person had gotten and like who are who they were. Yeah, where they had ended up she in life. Down, I forgot the the fellow down in Mexico. She she knew that he was there and that he was important. Esteban. Esteban, thank you. She tracked down Esteban <laughs> and knew the hymns. So like she like she has got she knows people that have connections and different mercenary. Yeah, yeah. She seems she seems like she's still well connected in that regard. So yeah. that background feature felt reasonably appropriate. I will note this also gets us vehicles land as a tool proficiency so that she can drive that motorcycle oh, and the pussy yeah. wagon around. I did not consider that. Also the cars um, she drives around. I like the the very similar but different wording for the feature of ear to the ground from Urban Bounty and Hunter. Ah, see now I had I had remembered that Bounty Hunter was a possibility, but I had I forgotten had, that I it started Bounty with Hunter a U. List. Yeah, I like that the feature. I, I think reads well. It's similar in that like mm -hmm. she just knows all of the people in in this realm. The people that she'd be assassinating would be coming through, and she has contacts everywhere and. And I guess I guess the feel that I got from the mercenary in D and D Beyond felt more like you're like a conscripted like service feels right for the squad they were in. But having not seen the squad work as a team ever, it feels like you're on your own. So that's why Urban Bounty Hunter felt right because that's mm -hmm. I feel like what she's doing. But again, her background probably was a squad of people. We just didn't see the yeah. squad, so it's hard to know what that yeah. feels like. It's so true. from from your own argument, I feel like that sounds more like the background than it sounds like an active trait of her character. Yeah, like no, I'm, I'm talking, she still I'm, has I'm those contacts. And I think I think yeah. I think I'm talking myself into into that versus urban bounty hunter because I think I think she becomes more of a on her own. Person. Yeah, that's fair. And I think she was part of a group, but we just don't know what that means, really. Yeah. Urban bounty hunter is definitely a reasonable choice. I, I feel like the I, I don't I don't love the tool proficiency options there. Not that I really no. care that much. The skill proficiencies are probably useful. Um, stealth is going to be useful. Insider deception is probably useful. Persuasion. She she does convince Karen to not to not to kill just her walk she's, away. She's pregnant. Yeah. Also, I loved that her name was Karen. Karen. <laughs> like, I'll read it myself. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> So like, yeah, so like as the female on this podcast, I mean, I, I am in I am a nurse, I'm in healthcare. So like those boxes aren't as confusing to me as they are to some people. But I know that they can be extremely confusing because every test is a bit different. And one plus is on one is a minus on another. And you're like, if it turns blue, it's just like, shut the fuck up. I'm going to read it myself. Thank you very much. Because <laughs> these tests are extremely, especially if you've never taken one, are extremely confusing. 
And like, oh, no, this is very important that I read this correctly. I'm going to read this verbatim. Shut the fuck up. I, yeah. What Ian was pointing out, though, we didn't know that she was Karen in 2004. It didn't really mean enough to us. But no, that was clearly Karen. Well, I mean, she, that was her. That was her. Tarantino knew. Well, that was her. That was her assassin name. I'm Karen from that was her. I'm from concierge services or whatever she said as her as her front. And it was like, yeah, call me Abigail. Like the same thing, right? <laughs> Uh, all right. So for my other three, I didn't actually have Urban Bounty Hunter. I had looked for it, but I had lost track of where it actually was. I, I looked at Faceless. I don't really like Faceless no. that much. I looked at it really quickly, mostly because of that talk, the monologue that Bill gives about like, is she a superhero? And I was like, nah, it doesn't fit. Uh, criminal, I actually like pretty well. I thought that too. Bill is her contact. Yeah, well, not, no, not, not Bill. Bill. Hattori Hanzo, Hanzo was her contact oh, for me. Yeah. That she has never met, but just can get in so, with. I feel like Bill is her criminal contact only because Hanzo, she didn't have contact from her background. I agree with, with you. As, as a background, I agree with you that Bill is a contact and she's learned enough about Hattori Hanzo from Bill. That then she can go forward from her background yeah. in the movie. And I suppose. Like, yeah. Bill is Bill is her name drop. The last one I have to bring up is just is just podcast tradition, which Come is on. Haunted One. Yes. <laughs> yeah, same. My favorite, the Haunted One. You tried to kill her. Let's take a, a quick trip down memory lane for Haunted One. Heart of Darkness. Those who look into your eyes can see that you have faced unimaginable horror. Uh, I mean, there's 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 even the line when they're about to bury her alive where he's looking into her yeah. eyes and yeah. sees the rage there. Yep. Look at her eyes. Huh. White women call that the silent treatment. We just pretend we don't like it. All right. Other people extend you courtesy. Uh, maybe, maybe not. That's unclear. Well, you know, she sits down very politely after she bur- she unburies herself from grab. Can I please have a glass of water? I assume she got one. The skill proficiencies here really don't work well. The language doesn't work well. The exotic language doesn't work well. No. Haunted One really gets us nothing of value. We got to throw it away, but it's worth looking at. I think Haunted One works for every single character ever. It just doesn't work perfectly <laughs> I, I think work. what you mean is there's no D character which doesn't have a dark and mysterious past exactly. we're all edgelords in this game there, there's yeah. very little people that go i'm a happy well-adjusted person let me go kill <laughs> vampires in a far-off land no why would you do that you're a well-adjusted character <laughs> so the only other one i had down um i don't really like the feature for but is athlete just from a skill proficiency perspective that gives us acrobatics and athletics yeah, it also gets his vehicle proficiencies land yet again. True. But yeah, to me, that has the problem that it's too much about athletic performance. Exactly. Yeah. The proficiencies, I feel like, yeah, she's totally. But we can fix that in. Uh, There's lots of scores. ways we can get there. All right. So where are we landing here? We got a lot of choices. Uh, mercenaries sound fine to everybody. OK, I'm, I'm going to throw out here. Um, D- the Dungeon Master's Guide has um, a specific section on on building sort of an Asian themed campaign, uh-huh. which goes over sort of how to reskin sort of the, the standard medieval English weapons that they've listed. So they, they so they reskin all of the weapons so that we can. You know, so if we want our katana, we can get our katana later, but we'll come to that in a moment. To finish off the background before we move on to class, we're going to need to choose a gaming set. And what I want to propose is that we choose the dragon chest set. But really what we're choosing is a go set here. We're we're choosing a a, a traditional sort of Asian strategy game rather than rather than an English strategy game. But it's the one that's the most strategic based, which feels like her character. Feels good to me. All right. Well, I think now it comes to it. We got to talk about the class decisions. Yeah. So here's my issue. I feel like there is like this character is based on tropes. And to me, like the most important scene in the movie exists in D&D as a trope and has existed since third edition and is the reason why I have 
when I made my campaign and in this almost the same year this movie came out, when I set up my campaign in 2000, 2001, I disallowed monks because of Quivering Palm. I saw that ability and I went, no, fuck that. Not allowed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. These days I wouldn't argue yeah. it, but I think she has to have 17 levels of monk. I think so, too. So, so yeah. Th so this was the argument that I was going to try to make. Either we need to go with she has to have Quivering Palm or we got to go can say for the weapon i feel like that is the highest is the level thing that she has that she does in the movie it's the thing that doesn't get taught to everyone it's it's like a master level yeah. thing yep, i totally agree it's the highest level thing so like i feel like she oh, has I, to have that I, i'm i'm fully i'm fully on board for this i was just saying some people are gonna say why not can say and so yeah. the argument for that yeah. is that in the dmg it says katanas are long swords yes and here's how we're gonna get to there because i think we can do this okay i don't know how many levels we're gonna pick up because i don't know how much we care beyond just the base level well we need we can go up to monk. three we need 17 of monks so if we we can pick up to three levels of something else the primary thing i was looking at was fighter but mm -hmm. i think rogue is also a reasonable argument we can get the we can get the martial proficiencies either way i liked fighter samurai to get us the fighting spirit i don't <laughs> I don't like samurai. I feel like it's just there because racism, but <laughs> I don't think it gets us what I want. I think I think I think we could go to level two of fighter and be fine. I yeah, I, I kind of wonder whether or not a fighting style is going to be useful. So so like from a playability standpoint, again, yes, is this character probably like level 20? Probably. But like, are you going to bring this player to a table and go, I'm level 20, bitches? Like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> My belief here is that this character does not start off monk. No, I agree that we should multi-class. I have some thoughts about that. And so I feel like whatever we're going to go with, I feel like whatever we're going to go with that's not monk, that's that's where she starts. OK, no, I, I'm, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, we find out that she got yeah trained. I'm going to argue. I feel like we need Quivering Palm to really explain Kill Bill Volume 2. Yeah, yeah. I that being said, I feel like as many levels as you need to pair back on Monk, the build is probably still going to work fine because it's not really going to change that much because it's just going to be Monk, Monk, Monk after that point. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I felt was kind of boring is like you have to get to 17 just to get that ability. Yeah. But then it's like it's kind of boring if you just go like 17 level Monk because it's all just like Monk. I monk, think monk, some monk, interesting monk. stuff is going to come in because I think we're going to need Tasha's to explain some other things. So we'll see how where we get when she describes what she knows as her background. She she says that she has like some proficiency in one style of Kung Fu and then more than proficient in the art of samurai. Yeah, that's fair. And then he laughs at her. <laughs> and then he laughs at her. This is probably throwaway, but I like it for a very specific reason. When they get mad and they go, wee, wah, wee, wah, ba, ba, da, ba, da, ba. Barbarian, at least one level to get her rage. <laughs> OK, I wanted rage. I just want I wanted to be like rage and take half damage that's just one level one level of just one level of barbarian it, would, it w does fit like she there is never an attack round she goes like red with rage <laughs> and then you get the like sirens in your ears she does seem pretty ragey my so my issue here is the the primary reason why i want fighter is i need her to get the martial proficiency to pick up long swords so that she can have her katana we can do that with feet can't we can we? I think we probably can. I think you're not wrong. Well, I didn't want to get that far. In front yeah, no, I, so I, I get that. Look at that up. And I just said, we're going to assume that your DM is cool and your katana is a short sword. She uses a short sword as well as a katana, though. So we've eh. we've we've got we've got two different sword usages. Yeah, I think in third edition, we probably could have picked this up. Yeah, I don't think there is a way. I know I tried to look that up a bit. So I was like, I was thinking, especially also I was thinking like 17 wouldn't be fun to play. I was like, I think we want to talk about 
if we do want the quivering palm to do the five point exploding heart technique, which again, a ridiculous name, just like the squad is a ridiculous name. Intentional. I, absolutely. But in that way where it's like, come on, so ridiculously intentional where it's, of course, hilarious that that it gets you into a bit of a sticky wicket besides, you know, because you have to be at 17. So you're stuck with needing third level. Mostly monk. Yeah. Because you need that 17 to monk. Your, your barbarian argument is compelling and interesting to me. I so liked it from the, the like. I the, like the, it a lot. With the, with the like the rage. Like it, feel like, it feels like you're going into a rage with it like that. Like, wee, like mm-hmm. I, I, I've used that before. I'm like, and then I went into that kill bill like, wee, like in your, like your blood's pumping in your ears. I'm like, yes, I've been there before. This feels like rage. I don't think we need third level of fighter. I don't think we even actually really need second level of fighter. Everything I really wanted to pick up was at first level, but we could pick up two levels of fighter and one level of barbarian and get most of the barbarian stuff, can't we? I liked second level fighter because you get style of dueling. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you get the second wind and the action surge at level two. That makes sense. And I think that's really important for her for, you know, she's be you know, she keeps kind of popping up and she can kind of heal yeah. herself and keep kind of going. Like she just won't go down. I want level 17 monk. I, again, I, I got to 20. We're going to 20. It's that, that We're going all the way tonight. She's going to be the big bad at the end of your campaign. She's going to get you. <laughs> Here's what I want to say about Action Surge. Action Surge is cool, but we totally don't need it because we're going to have 17 levels of, of monk. So the amount of uh, key that you're going to be action, s- spending to give yourself extra attack. Second Wind, though? Second Wind, do we like? like? Second Wind, I think we like, but I think Barbarian gets us most of that content, too. So I don't I like I don't think I think yeah, we could go level fair. two in either class and be fine. I think you're right. I think a fighting style is probably more appropriate than extra levels of Barbarian. It gets, it gets her dueling, yeah. which I think we want. Yeah. I also think like the the order of this, just to confirm with both of you, uh-huh. it's fighter, monk, yep. and then barbarian. Yes. I think she was a fighter, then she trained, then she was murdered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which and now rage. And okay, now you're rage right. You're comes right. In. And she learned this in the attic of Hitori Hanza's uh, sushi restaurant. Tran- to channel like, her rage, yes. She in Okinawa, rage. she channeled her rage. <laughs> I'm going to pick up a Tasha's additional feature, which is dedicated weapon. Yeah. Because yeah. this lets her use her katana as a monk weapon if she uses a little bit of key to make that possible. Yeah. And again, only only one of her kill list is killed by the sword. Only or an Ishii. Everybody else dies by other means. Fighting style, you were saying dueling? I think dueling makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Wielding a melee weapon in one hand with no other weapons, gain a plus two bonus. Like she, she, she will grab it with two hands, but she's usually kind of like parrying and then she's using other like she's mostly using like her body. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about monastic tradition. Three of them are, are actually pretty solid for this character, but I want quivering palms so badly. I don't think I can really look at the other two. I totally agree. I think there's only yeah. two really to consider. Uh-uh. I think there's three to consider. What's the th- OK, so for me it's it's for me it's open hand and kensei what's the third that you guys are going way of the long death that she that she's picking up hit points from her people she's murdering with a touch you can channel the energy of death into a creature which hmm. isn't exactly what she does but, but it's, it's kind of close in, right? enough to yeah they're both you take up the points that they like lose yes long death you're taking the energy from them like in the in the open hand you're just dealing necromantic damage you're not yeah that's up fair that. that's fair you're you're, the, yeah, you're that's... healing from killing people in long death that's fair from from really the mechanically long death feels less appropriate than open hand feels in terms yeah. but like long death theming is all about being very death focused which this character definitely is from the very beginning i mean she's yeah like, she wants to see them dead mm-hmm. i don't just yeah. that also i think way of open hand is is far more like 
kung fu movie thematically. I mean, again, so yeah, like like um, the the movie does place some um, importance on this sword, but she only kills one of the Viper Squad with the sword. Mostly, she's just down and dirty, like. She does Swing kill yeah. a lot of people with the sword. It's mostly crazy 88s. But, yes. <laughs> but the people she cares yeah. about yeah. killing, yeah. she doesn't necessarily do with the sword. It's more personal than that. Yeah, it's true. I think that's that's open hand. Like, she plucks out that eyeball. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the sword. She does it twice. I just want to note that whole sequence of the movie of, of, of her basically failing to kill people with the sword feels very D&D. She's got all of her backstory <laughs> tied up in this sword. The yep. sword is very important. She loses the sword and is like, fuck it. I'm just going to do melee. I, I win now. Oh, fuck. I, but I'll, I'll kill the next person with my sword, though. That, okay. That'll definitely happen next time. I, I loved how like the trailer was just not long enough for them to draw their swords at all. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that was a great they sequence. They like, throw yep. each other bodily through walls. <laughs> yeah. And on top of Bud. It was, that was great. And she says zero words to Bud in the movie. Does she? That's true. Well, because Bud had a falling out, right? So, like, I think, like, yeah, there's a lot of, like, I, I went. Well, he shot her before she could say anything. Okay, so I've got, I've got some news for you. Uh-oh. Having gone to level 17 Monk, we are going to have four ability score improvements and or feats to spend after we spend our first feat from Variant Human. Yeah, that sounds great. That sounds fine. Get the decks as high as you can, by the way. Yeah. We got some choices to make here. All right, so I think let's... What you just said is important. So let's start there. So let's let's go ahead and choose our ability scores and then we'll we'll know where we're beginning when we're do- talking about ability score improvements. I think we know that we I mean, I, I, at least ideally. Dex hot. Dex one. <laughs> Dex. And then I think we want wisdom because that's monkey too, right? We want wisdom. Hi. I was either going to go wisdom or con next. but Yeah, I, I can go either way on that one. as well. Here's what I'm going to suggest. Let's go with wisdom. We're going to go with constitution next. The reason why I'm putting constitution third rather than second when I was sort of inclined to put constitution second is we picked up a level of barbarian. We get rage. We're going to get some damage reduction out of that. Ah, uh, thank We're you. We're good. That's I like exactly that. right. Yes. Love it. Love it. Love it. I think charisma may be her dump stat. I think charisma is her dump stat. I mean, what was the quote in the movie? It was mercy, compassion and forgiveness. I lack not rationality. Yeah. I mean, I would I would I would counter that, I guess, with when she like goes into Hattori Hanzo's shop and she convinces him like, I I don't don't know how to speak Japanese or whatever. (laughs) That's true. And that's sort of like that does work. But I'm still okay giving charisma her dumb stat because she's mostly just being like, bitch, I don't care. She's not getting out of things with her charisma. She's getting into things with her charisma, maybe. But really, all she's doing is going bill and they go yeah okay it's more like if anything i would give that wisdom than than charisma based she's not like i'm a pretty girl give me a sword she's like oh it's bill all right yeah that's that's very fair she doesn't have a she doesn't have a convincing argument she doesn't she doesn't make a, an argument that convinces him she makes an argument where he doesn't need convincing exactly i, like, I also nope. think like, similar to what we've talked about this a little bit before in this particular case she may not be charismatic but she's smart enough to know how she needs to perform. Ooh, would that be like an intelligence? Either intelligence or wisdom based. Yeah. I would probably put that at wisdom. I think it's all going to be wisdom. I, I think we got to give her strength before we give her intelligence just because... Uh, yeah, no, we, strength we, over intelligence for sure. Yeah. Let's come back and talk about our... Let's talk about our first feet. I like tough. I did too. As like her first, like her variant human feet. Mm-hmm. Before we, like when we see her like train with like Pai Mei, she's just like, I'm here. I'm going to take it. Totally fair. I, I think I think tough seems entirely reasonable for her. I've only got two others that I like, so we'll have to come oh, up I've, with others. I've got a bunch. Okay. I think before we pick up any more feats, though, let's just pump up that dexterity a bit. Yep. 
this is the great thing that a high level character lets you do. It's like, let's just get that way up there. <laughs> let's just let's just max it out. That'd be you great. Max out your decks. <laughs> Two of the feats that I'm considering. Both oh, would do that decks. anyway. So, okay. Oh, I see. I see. I see. So let's let's talk about what your what your decks increasing feats are that you'd like to argue for. So the two that increase decks are athlete or gunner slash crossbow expert, which are basically the same thing. Um, I have a problem with gunner slash crossbow expert. How come? Do we see her do any of that? <laughs> she implies it, mm. at least. In, the, in what way? When she is with Karen in her last mission. She that she is Annie has, Oakley? That she is Annie Oakley. You don't think she's lying there to protect her baby? I don't. Her primary weapon that she shows up with to kill Bill is a pistol. But I will say I have a really hard like I don't think there are we don't see iconic moments of her really using a gun. And no, what what we see is her running away from guns, both from Karen and from Bill. Totally fair. And she possibly should have been running from Bud. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Or should have anticipated Bud. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't really care about that one that much. Like she did mention that she is very good with a gun. So I felt like. It's at least worth a mention, but I'm fine leaving that one off. I don't see giving this character a crossbow would be useful. Like she might like have one like on her back, but she's not going to use it. She's going to be using her fists and her yeah. katana. It's not her go-to. I think we can put a crossbow on her character sheet. I think that's the that's the extent of it, really. <laughs> Fair. I like athlete. I think that's a good. Like, I could see that. Like she's not she's not a slouch when she comes to Pai Mei. We see her do this exact thing that when you are prone, standing up only uses five feet of movement, yeah. where she does the the flip off the ground to stand yeah. in. Mm-hmm. She's not. She's not just like nobody. Like she has trained. She just hasn't trained. Like you're not entirely untrained. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he he respects her enough to like mm-hmm. train her, which says a lot. Maybe Bill had to say it first, but she had to prove herself that the fact that he would say, yep, OK, tomorrow mm-hmm. we train. And that gets her strength and dex. I like that. I like getting more. I like getting her some more strength, strength or dex. Oh, sorry. Strength or dex. You're correct. Which we should yeah. take dex. We should take we dex. Should take dex. Yeah, we know. And if we if we're well, if we're if we're full up on dex, I like strength there, too, because she's also very strong. And I know that we want like, you know, wisdom and con more. But mm-hmm. if, if there's an opportunity, I want strength there if yeah. it's possible. Yeah. Something that we should look at is slasher. I don't think we need to pick mm-hmm. up slasher. Like slasher. The other one that, that, that comes to mind that does give her strength is tavern brawler. I want a tavern brawler because she just gets down and dirty sometimes. Like she Also, she uses anything, a frying pan and a TV exactly. antenna. Exactly. Like, yeah, when she's with Vin- yeah, Vinita Green, fair. yeah, she's just like that <laughs> tavern brawler. I absolutely was like, yeah, no, she doesn't not use that katana as much. And then mm-hmm. even then she doesn't use it all the time. And when she loses it, like with the old driver, she's just like grabbing everything and like, nope, throwing. And she's using her body in her monk way, but also she's just grabbing anything and just hitting her over the head with it. I also like that she would be dealing more damage uh, with her unarmed strikes. Yes, her fists are magical weapons. Except that she's already going to get that from Monk, from so Monk. that's not going to be that's relevant. She's well, that from Monk, but fine. but she's proficient with the stuff she's picking up. Like she'll pick up an antenna, and that's she's proficient with it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. <laughs> so you're thinking strength uh, rather than constitution is what you'd like to pick up from Tavern Brawler? That makes sense yep. to me. I like that. I'd like to get because we already got tough. With, uh, yeah, uh, I think she, yeah. she's a second hit points, and if she rages, she's going to be halved and. Damage. Uh, yeah. Which totally I do not want to come against this this character. This <laughs> <laughs> is a BBEG. <laughs> She's coming for you. <laughs> uh, for our last ability score improvement or feat, we could take another feat that would give us a bonus deck to dexterity. If we don't, then we gotta we gotta finish that dexterity. Right. It's gotta be twenty. I agree. Dexterity has to be twenty. There's no question. We need to get that. We can go a little higher in strength. We can go a little higher in wisdom. I mean, wisdom. I'd say strength based on I mean, the same thing that what you just said, Karina. 
Like she does get and out of the the coffin. Like he did want like Pai Mei wanted her arms strong. I feel like, like I feel like her training with Pai Mei was a lot of strength training. Mm-hmm. Let's see where this gets us. We are level 20 and we've ended at that coveted place where all of our ability scores are even. So we haven't wasted any ability score points. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, dexterity is the only thing that's insanely ridiculous so far. Really so. Mm-hmm. Level 20 characters have a lot of hit points. Yeah. Yes, they do. <laughs> now, I think realistically... Jory Hanzo Blade has to be at least a plus one. Yeah. So now the question is, do we know what... A, it's more than a plus one. It's his finest work. If anything, all Hattori Hanzo Blades are plus one yeah. blades. And yeah. this one is a plus two. One. I think it's a plus two. But plus two. It does chops other swords in half. <laughs> so what you just said makes relevant something. There is, uh, if I can remember the name of this magic item, there is a specific weapon that cuts other weapon, like oh, really? that, <laughs> that cuts through other things really, really well. No, I, I, so the first thing I was looking at was just going for the most, if, if this is the most legendary blade by the most legendary blade maker, the Vorpal Longsword is a oh, completely Vorpal. reasonable <laughs> choice here. Love that. And the one, the one thing she does is cut somebody's head off with it. Ish. Ish. But I again, I was trying to remember Shatter Spike. This is the much lower level option, and we should at least talk about it. You have a plus one bonus to attack rolls and damage rolls, so it's plus one. If it hits an object, the hit is automatically a critical hit, and it can deal bludgeoning or slashing damage to the object, your choice. Further damage from non-magical sources can't harm the weapon. So, like, it can, you can literally just make attacks on the other person's weapon. Yeah. And it's automatically critical on those. Yeah, that's good. And you're going to do slashing always. So here's what I'm going to say. We've talked about it. Shatter Spike, I think, is a great option if you're doing a less than level 20 build of this character. Mm -hmm. But but since we're doing a level 20 build and there's very few times where we're going to get to to pull this out. Vorpal Longsword is, I think, the best (laughs) representation of this blade. And it it feels right. It just feels Come on. It feels like, right. The purple sword is so, so D&D. And she's got like Hattori Hanzo sword. There's nothing more canonically amazing in D&D than a Vorpal sword. Come on. We got that plus three. We got we're good at cutting heads off, which is what she does. One of the two things that she does with it again, I think Shatter Spike, a completely reasonable choice. If you want to merge Shatter Spike and Vorpal for your one shot game that you're and your DMs like do whatever the hell you want. Uh, that's great. All right. I think now it's time for us to summarize. Beatrix Kiddo is a level 20 variant human with two levels in fighter, 17 levels in way of the open hand monk, and one level in barbarian with a Hattori Hanzo Vorpal Katana. Okay, let's talk about playability. Um, so level 20, I, I've never played. I would love to play, but it seems like it needs to be like a one shot or like a Big bad. Like I don't know if that end. one shot makes sense because I feel like jumping into playing a level 20 character well, would it? be so much. To, what oh. do I need to think about? Well, that's fair. <laughs> but I, th- I think for a monk, it might be easier, though. <laughs> the last time I tried to do this was in D&D 3rd edition, and admittedly rules were more complex then, so it was harder to jump in on a level 20 character. But I it just it wasn't as fun as we thought it, were, it was going to be. Mm-hmm. We, we were all stoked to play a level 20. Actually, and we were probably playing like a level 23 game because there is the epic level handbook, which let you go past 20 back then. And uh, yeah, no, it it mechanically, it's just it's hard to make the game chug along when you've got so many options on your character sheet. And also that you haven't played them going up to that point. So like there aren't things that you're remembering like, oh, I, when I do this, I can do that. Yeah. But I, I feel like this is a thing like this is a roadmap to build towards, not a character to jump into. Mm, OK, that's fair. So here's. Here's my recommendation for how you make this character playable. 
you don't just take this character sheet. You use this character sheet as the template, and what you do is you pare it down. These are the things that I cared about that I like that felt like in character and important to me. These are the abilities that are important. I'm just gonna focus on those. I'm gonna try and make like the condensed version of this character sheet so that in combat I don't have a million options to choose from. And then it makes sense as a one shot because now you're not you're you're not exactly playing D&D. You're playing sort of D&D abridged with with high level abilities. Also, if you're playing this in a one shot, your mind is going to be so focused on how am I going to to use quivering palm? Like at any scenario, that's the thing that you're trying to figure out. Oh, that's such a good point, because I feel like I, I would be like, that's the slow thing, right? You're gonna be like, I'm gonna do this quivering palm. And then like a week from now, I'll be like, oh, I'm gonna do it. And like somebody somewhere is like dead. No, I think the best move here, the best move here is not to be you're exactly right. That's a trap. So you avoid it this way. <laughs> the very beginning of the game, the very beginning of the one shot, you use quivering palm on just a random member of the party. <laughs> you concoct some reason for it. And then then you you wait until the end of the game to decide whether or not that party member dies. Oh, wow. Oh, man. That's truly evil, Matt. Oh, wow. I, I just learned a I'm lot. Now about, playing with you. I, yeah, I just learned a lot about Matt just right now. <laughs> Just, yes. just get that decision right out of the way. Uh, create the drama, create the conflict in the party. Which It'll be great. The party, are you going to decide to kill or not? But yeah, I feel like like that's an example of like the thing that you're trying to think about that you don't have any experience with all of the rest of your character to just jump yeah. into. I mean, okay, with with the knowledge of I know I'm Beatrix kiddo, and I kind of know how like <laughs> you know me right now. We built this together. Like yeah, let, put me in, coach. <laughs> I'd be curious to see how this would play. <laughs> the best place to find us is hollywoodrolls.com. Email us at pervious to bullets at hollywoodrolls.com. We are at hollywoodrolls on Instagram, at hollywood underscore rolls on Twitter, and Patreon at patreon.com slash hollywoodrolls. We are not sponsored by Wizards of the Coast, D&D Beyond, Kirkland Brand Tequila, Zoom.us, Wormwood, Elderwood Academy, Hibiki Century Whiskey, Momokawa, Joy Saki, Kaboom, Lucky Charms, or any other General Mills cereal, Jack Rabbit Slim's Diner, Chevrolet, and any other pussy wagons, Kawasaki, or Volkswagen. Thanks for listening.